Thanks for downloading or purchasing this sermon from Christchurch Forward. To find out more, visit forwardchurch.co.uk or join us on Sundays. You are indeed our Lord and God, one of great compassion and kindness. You are the shepherd of the sheep, as we've been hearing in that song. And so we ask you to be guiding us uh, and indeed to be speaking to us in the depth of our being as we turn to your word, the Bible now. Address our deepest need today and uh, help us to know how to respond in Jesus' name. Amen. Well, let me encourage you uh, to uh, turn in your Bibles uh, back to uh, the reading that we had uh, earlier that Ricky read for us. uh, Luke chapter 7, verses 11 uh, to 17, page 1035. It's part of a series that we've been working through Luke's Gospel. Uh, This is where we've landed today. Luke chapter 7, page 1035. I I don't think I'll ever forget the time I invited someone to church and he said uh, this to me, me in a church? I wouldn't be seen dead in a church. And I thought to myself, there's a good chance you will when you are. Uh, Of course, I didn't actually say that to him because death is one of the great taboos uh, of our culture. But because we're not sentimentalists, but realists, we face up to the problem of death. Uh, And indeed, the Bible does just that. It speaks of death often. And here in Luke chapter 7, we see one of those many occasions as Jesus arrives in a little town he comes across a funeral procession. You see that uh, in verses 11 and 12 of our reading in Luke 7. And because death is something that affects us all, and we've been reminded of that this morning, as we uh, again have uh, heard of the death of a a dear friend of this church, Anne Tynan. Uh, We think of her family and their grieving. Uh, Because death is something that affects us all, this could not be more relevant to every one of us here this morning. At the uh, Cannes Film Festival a couple of years ago, when asked about how he feels about death, Woody Allen said, my relationship with death remains the same. I'm strongly against it. Uh, By his own admission, Woody Allen is terrified of death, and he deals with his fear by joking about it. Uh, Famously, he said, I don't want to achieve immortality through my work. I want to achieve it through not dying. And, uh, of course, on another occasion, he said, I'm not afraid of death. I just don't want to be there when it happens. I think it's fair to say, while he jokes about it, most of us Brits deal with our fear of death by just never talking about it. In our part of the world, if you uh, want to uh, bring a dinner conversation to an abrupt end, you just have to say to your host, have you thought about your death lately? Uh, I I doubt you'll be invited back and you'll almost uh, certainly be struck off the Christmas card list. What is it about death that is so scary? Is it because deep down we know we're not prepared for it? Or is it so scary because it brings everything we've ever worked for to a crashing, grinding halt? The horrible truth is death always has the last word. All our lives, it kind of hangs over us. We know it's going to get us one day. I don't mind telling you it was the stark reality of death that made me begin to seriously consider the big questions of life. My, My school friend, Lawrence Crowther, was a a brilliant badminton player, but the pressure of travelling the country playing tournament badminton and trying to keep up his schoolwork resulted in him having a breakdown and then at just the age of 17 taking his own life. That moment made me think seriously about life and about Jesus Christ, who the Bible says destroys the power of death and frees those who all their lives are held in slavery by the fear of death. Now that's what we see in our Bible passage today. Jesus destroys the power of death. 
In Luke chapter 7 and verse 11, we're taken to a little town called Nain, a town six miles southeast of Nazareth and right on the border of Israel. And you can see from verse 11, Jesus went to the town followed by a large crowd. Uh, You know, by now people had heard about him, they'd heard him speaking, uh, they'd seen the amazing things he was doing. They were following him, they wanted to see what he was going to do next, what he was going to say next. And then we read in verse 12, as he approached the town gate, a dead person was being carried out, the only son of his mother, and she was a widow, and a large crowd from the town was with her. A widow at the funeral of her only son. It is a heartbreaking scene. But before we look at it in detail, please see how this fits into Luke's gospel as a whole. Uh, This section of Luke's gospel uh, begins back in chapter 4. We first looked at it back in April. Uh, Turn back with me just to refresh your mind of how this section begins. Page 1031, 1031. Jesus is speaking to uh, Jews in a synagogue. Uh, uh, As he's preaching, uh, they are questioning um, who he is and uh, why he says what he says. And then we read in Luke chapter 4, verse 25, these words. He says, I assure you that there were many widows in Israel in Elijah's time. He just said that uh, the Gentiles, people who are not Jews, are going to come in. Uh, they're, They're important too. He says, I assure you that there were many widows in Israel in Elijah's time when the sky was shut for three and a half years and there was a severe famine throughout the land. Yet Elijah was not sent to any of them, but to a widow in Zarephath in the region of Sidon. And there were many in Israel with leprosy in the time of Elisha the prophet, yet not one of them was cleansed, only Naaman the Syrian. What's the point? Well, Jesus reminds the Jews who he's speaking to of two stories from their own scriptures. One about a widow whose only son died. The other about a military man, Naaman, a Syrian, who was cured of leprosy. And he spoke those two stories to tell us the scope of the gospel, of the good news. In a sentence, in those two stories, he showed that the gospel is for everyone. And that was the issue here. And that's what you see when you put these two stories together. For in these two stories in chapter 4, we meet a man and a woman. One wealthy and successful, the other a poor widow who didn't have two halfpennies to rub together. One a military commander with a whole army under his control, the other a poor woman whose only son had just died. They are so different. And they are so different from the people Jesus was speaking to. He was speaking to Jews. These two were Gentiles. They were foreigners. Uh, And Jesus put these two stories together to tell us that the gospel is for all. Everyone needs to know about the good news of Jesus Christ. And we see that in these two people, both the woman in Zarephath and Naaman the Syrian, so different in so many ways, yet both confronted by things they could not deal with, problems they could not solve. Naaman had incurable leprosy. He was a dead man walking and the woman had lost her only son. They both needed to throw themselves on the mercy of God. So do you see, we be, we begin, uh, when we began this section in Luke's Gospel, we began to learn that the Gospel of Jesus Christ is for everyone. And it's no coincidence that as we come to the end of this section, Luke chapter 7, we find something very, very similar. Turn back, if you will, then, to our reading, Luke chapter 7. You see, last week, in the first ten verses of Luke chapter 7, uh, that Andrew Rees was preaching on, 
Jesus met a military commander who had authority over a whole platoon. He was a hugely successful man, like Naaman the Syrian. And like Naaman the Syrian, he too was a foreigner. He was a man who had everything, it seemed, but he needed to put his faith in Jesus Christ because one of his dearly loved servants was sick and about to die. And now, here in our reading this morning, we meet a woman, a widow, whose only son had died. Uh, just like the, the woman, the widow at Zarephath. Do you see how these two incidents mirror the two stories back in chapter 4? And so do you see how these two incidents in chapter 7 remind us that everyone needs the gospel of Jesus Christ. And we see that no more clearly than when we come face to face with death. Think of a friend of mine, Steve. I was uh, best man at his wedding. We used to work together. When we were talking about Jesus Christ, and we often did, Steve said this to me. What do I need Jesus for? I'm perfectly happy and can live my life without him. And down through the years, I've met people, other people like my friend Steve. Why do I need Jesus when I can live without him? Well, here's the answer. We may well feel we can live without Jesus, but we cannot die without him. Death is an enemy we can't overpower. Death is a problem we can't solve. Now this morning, ladies and gentlemen, as we look at this incident in this little town called Nan, we see that confronted by death, we all need Jesus, for he is the Lord of life and the conqueror of death. You see, on this day, Jesus came face to face with a funeral procession. Uh, Again, verse 12. As he approached the town gate, a dead person was being carried out, the only son of, of his mother, and she was a widow, and a large crowd from the town was with her. The procession is moving out of the church towards the graveside, and it's a widow and her only son. There's awful grief here. Her husband and now her son. Can you imagine the grief? Death is such a terrible scandal. It brings a a crushing, grinding halt to the most precious relationships. And they're so hard to come by, loving relationships. And suddenly, one day, finished. And this is the most precious relationship of all, the only son. Years ago, I conducted the funeral of my auntie. And my grandmother was was still alive, my, my grandmother being my auntie's mother. And I will never forget the look of pain on her face as she looked at me and said, it's just not right. It's not right when a parent has to bury their child. That's what's going on here. Can you feel the grief? And on top of the grief, there's this hopelessness in this situation. The woman, you see, lived at a time and in a place where there was no welfare state, no state pension, no government subsidies, no winter fuel allowance. I have sat with women who've lost their husbands and amidst the agony of bereavement is the added burden of not knowing how they'll make ends meet, thinking they'll have to move from the family home that they've lived in all their lives. That's all here in this one sentence in verse 12. The only son of his mother and she was a widow. Let me tell you... um, one of the hardest things about being a clergyman, and there are many upsides to being a clergyman, but the downside is being called to visit parents when their child has just died. You're so impotent in that situation. You wish you could say something to make it better, but there's nothing to be said. But look what Jesus says in verse 13. When the Lord saw her, 
his heart went out to her and he said, don't cry. Don't cry. What does he mean, don't cry? Of course she should cry. Her whole world has caved in. Death has come and ripped her world apart twice. First her husband, now her only son. Don't cry. Let me tell you, this is not the sort of thing you or I should ever say to anyone when they're burying their son. But the following verses tell us why Jesus can say this. Verse 13 tells us this is not a hard and thoughtless comment from an uncaring man out of touch with reality. See verse 13, Jesus' heart went out to her. Another, tra- another translation says Jesus was, was filled with pity. Jesus was full of compassion when he said don't cry. But it's the way Jesus is described in verse 13 that allows him really to say these words don't cry. Verse 13 describes him as, do you see it there, the Lord. And that he is the Lord becomes clear as we read on, verse 14. Then he went up and touched the coffin and those carrying it stood still. He said, young man, I say to you, get up. I suppose since I've been ordained, I've conducted hundreds of funerals and it's never once occurred to me to do that. Not once. Not once have I put my hand on a coffin at a funeral and told the deceased to get up. And it's obvious why. It's because I am not the Lord. But Jesus is. And so he not only said verse 14, but verse 15, the dead man sat up and began to talk and Jesus gave him back to his mother. Now, isn't that quite something? Now, I know I'm speaking to a lot of people who regularly come to church who say, oh yeah, Jesus raises the dead. Just stop and think about it for a moment. Think about the last time you were at a funeral. Just imagine it happening. Somebody touching the coffin and saying, get up. And not only does he get up, the man gets up and he starts to talk. It is remarkable. And now we see why Jesus could say the words, don't cry. And why Jesus is the only one who could say those words to a grieving widow who's lost her son. And here's the good news. The good news that is relevant to everyone. Jesus is able to handle death. He can handle it. And you and I can handle it too with him. Death and what happens when we die is a great mystery. What happens on the other side? Someone said to me, no one's ever come back to tell us. Well, that would be a problem, but that's not quite right. Someone has come back. Jesus, the great conqueror of death, risen from the grave. Jesus says, trust me. I've been there. I've done that. You can walk through death with me. I know the way. I am the way. I'm the way, the truth, and the life. No one comes to the Father except through me. How does that work? Well, a person recognizes, as it says here, that Jesus is the Lord. The Lord of life. Lord over death. And they throw themselves on him and beg for mercy. And because of his death on the cross, God forgives them. And on that great day when they stand before him in judgment, all is forgiven because of the death of Jesus. And here in Luke chapter 7, we, can, we see he can pull it off. He really can. His death and resurrection say, trust me. You see, that's exactly what we saw last week. Again, if you were here last week, you'll remember it. When the centurion... In chapter 7, verses 1 to 10, when the centurion saw that he must have faith, that it is by faith, that is by trusting, it's the same word, by trusting Jesus alone that we are saved, not by works. Now, in this section, we see that it is by faith, by trust in Christ 
alone, unequivocally, must be Christ. His death and resurrection say, trust me. Jesus is the Lord. The Lord who can release me from, from slavery, the slavery of death. Do you remember when we looked, started looking at this section way back in chapter 4, if you were with us? Andrew talked about the jubilee, not the Queen's jubilee, but the jubilee that, that was in the scriptures. Every 50 years, people being released from slavery. Here is the great release from slavery, the fear of death that hangs over us all the time. Fancy being released from that. See, as we trust him for our death, then like this woman, we get our life back. I love that bit at the end of verse 15. See, the first half, the dead man sat up and began to talk. Well, that should blow your mind. You, you don't even think about reading the next bit, but look at the next bit. And Jesus gave him back to his mother. Jesus gave the man back to his mother. She had her life back. And with Jesus, so can we. When, this is, when we know this is true, when we've got this in our lives, we can get on with living, knowing that our death is dealt with. Oh, we don't know the details of when it will be. We don't know whether it will be quick or slow. We don't know whether we'll be old or young. Well, well, some of us do because we're already old, but you know what I mean. We don't know when it will come, and that's why we shouldn't tuck it to the back of our minds and ignore talking about it. But here's the wonderful thing. When we trusted in Jesus with our death, we can get on with life. No longer fearful of death. Freed from the slavery of death hanging over us all our lives. It's a wonderful thing. It's a remarkable privilege to uh, spend time with people who are dying when they're certain of the resurrection of Jesus Christ. I've had the experience of a num- uh, that experience a number of times now. When people are, are certain that Jesus has dealt with their death, they die with such peace and dignity. It's amazing to, to be there with them. Jesus has defeated death, and it's a wonderful thing. It's what we see here. And look how the crowd on that day responded. Verse 16, they were all filled with awe and praised God. Well, I bet they did. They said, a great prophet has appeared among us. Well, Jesus is more than a prophet, but they're onto something here. And then they said, God has come to help his people. I like that. God has come to help his people. They've got that right. This is not a one-off. This is the kind of thing Jesus has come to do. He's come to help his people, just like this. That's how kind God is, the kind, compassionate God that the choir was singing about. Largely, we may have ignored him all our lives, but in his great loving kindness in Christ, God has come to help his people. Isn't that something? So, Christian, go and tell people about this Jesus. This is the most relevant message that the world will ever hear. It's relevant to everyone because everyone faces death. That's again what we were singing about in the, in or what we were listening about as the, the, the choir was singing. But go and tell the gospel because it's such good news. And for those here who are not yet following him, well, well can I ask you gently, will you accept his offer of help? May I ask you, why, why wouldn't you accept this offer of help? His compassionate, gracious help to deal with the problem of death that hangs over all of us. 
Wouldn't it be wonderful to know that that was all dealt with? That when you die, you will go and be with Jesus forever? Might not make the details of the death easy, but it does make the the worry of death much easier. Turn to him. Know this wonderful good news and be freed from that fear for the rest of your lives. Let's pray together. Our Father, we thank you once again that as we turn to the Bible, it is as relevant today as it was all those years ago when it was first written. We thank you for this remarkable truth that as the crowd said, God has come to help his people. We thank you for the help that you gave us in Christ, the one who came to serve us by dying for us that we could be forgiven, the one who rose again, showing that death has been defeated, the one who could put his hand on this coffin and say, get up. And the young man did. And we pray for us all, for those of us who know this truth and have known it for some time, that it would be a wonderful spur to live our lives wholeheartedly without the fear of death, proclaiming the good news to others. And for those here this morning who know nothing of this yet, uh, please uh, give them the courage uh, to look into these things and to turn to you, maybe even today, that they too would be free from the fear of death. And we pray all these things for your praise and glory. Amen.